Shar is an ancient goddess of darkness and loss in the Forgotten Realms. She and her faith preach secrecy and deviousness, all the while focusing on the destruction of Salune and the Selunites. I am Ben Dignan, and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. Titles Some of the titles Shar goes by are The Lady of Loss Mistress of the Night The Dark Goddess Night Singer The Unseen Lady The Dark Traitor And The Shadowy Seductress The only known alias of Shar's is Ishado among the Chultons. A group of Chultons known as the Shao revere Ishado as a dark reflection of the major Chulton god Uptau. Portfolio and Domains To touch on Shar's portfolios is to touch on her history. During the Time of Troubles, Shar sought out and killed the god Ibrandul. By doing so, Shar claimed Ibrandul's portfolios as her own. Darkness, Forgetfulness, Loss, Night, and Secrets are Shar's original portfolios. The ones she took from Ibrandul are Caverns, Dungeons, and the Underdark. Presently, the timeline stands in 5th edition well after the Second Sundering. Ed Greenwood has mentioned that all the gods are back from the dead following this event. I provided the link to his statement on Twitter down in the description of the video. Now how many of these gods that means specifically, I do not know. Of course, with official 5th edition products, we have seen that gods like Mercule and Baal are back. Other gods I am less sure of. This could just be another situation where what Greenwood says conflicts with what Wizards of the Coast has presented so far. These things are known to happen. But there is at least some precedent for Ibrandul's return. I'm not going to say where and in what context it is mentioned in order to stay as far away from spoilers as possible. But in 5th edition's anthology adventure book, Tales from the Yawning Portal, there is mention of a chosen of Ibrandul. Though when this book describes Ibrandul, it refers to him in the past tense, quote, he was, rather than, quote, he is. Maybe Shar still has Ibrandul's portfolios, but I don't quite see how Ibrandul would have it chosen if he wasn't reborn. Either way, I cannot say for sure because 5th edition products don't list off the portfolios of deities. It's all down to guesswork. During the height of the Netheril Empire, Shar also maintained control over a couple other portfolios that would later be taken on by deities in the Faerunian pantheon. These portfolios include illusions, lies, trickery, seduction, thieves, murder, and winter. Shar's suggested domains for 5th edition are death and trickery. Appearance and Manifestations Shar is represented in a few different forms by our followers. Some depictions of Shar display her as a black sphere, rimmed with purple flames, this potentially being the inspiration for her most well-known holy symbol. In her humanoid depictions, she looks like a beautiful human woman with black hair, garbed in flowing black garments. Her eyes are purple in color, and she has deep, dark pupils that hold an endless black void within them. 
Shara's weapon of choice is a chakram she has called the Disk of Night. In 3rd edition terms, this weapon is a plus 5 weapon with the returning and speed abilities. Shara is also equipped with two unnamed plus 5 short swords with the keen, unholy, and wounding abilities. Shara's avatars take one of two forms. The first is known as the Night Singer. This humanoid female stands just over 10 feet or 12 feet tall, depending on what book you go by, and surrounds herself with billowing robes to obscure her form. Also, the Night Singer wears a mask of black feathers that trail down to blend in with the rest of her garments. Rather than speak, the Night Singer sings her words in a beautiful but mournful song. The Dark Dancer is her second avatar form. This humanoid female stands at 7 feet tall, adorned in little clothing, with the figure of a dancer. Her skin is jet black and starlight plays across it. This avatar is a temptress who, through her dances and words, attempts to seduce others with the intention to get them to serve Shar. Shar has one known manifestation. It is described as an amorphous mass with tendrils made of darkness that writhe and swirl about. This manifestation is surrounded by a purple aura. Sometimes this manifestation bears a singular purple eye at its center. Whether the eye is present or not, those around this manifestation can feel a malevolent presence watching them. This manifestation transmits messages from Shar psychically by touching another creature with one of its tendrils. It will direct her faith, transmit messages to her faithful, and or numb any sort of pain her faithful may be experiencing though they may drop dead of fatigue or injury if not careful if they push themselves too far. Shara may also make use of the following creatures in service to her. Dark tentacles, umbral glooms, death tyrants, a whole host of shadowy creatures like shadow mastiffs, nightshades, etc., ravens, crows, and death giants. Abilities Separate from any mechanical abilities is Shar's oft-mentioned ability to perceive anything and anyone who acts in darkness. The following abilities are taken from 2nd edition and 3rd edition sources, so please understand that they may not transfer fully to the 5th edition game. Shar has very likely still remained a greater deity since both those editions, so I would think these abilities are likely still applicable to her. Though her avatar is no longer able to walk the surface of Toril, but likely work for her throughout the rest of the planes. As the creator of the Shadow Weave, Shar can deny any other entity's ability to use the Shadow Weave, regardless if they are mortal or a deity. Her denial can last as long as she chooses to sustain it. Being a greater deity, Shar always rolls the highest result on dice she makes use of for spells, attacks, saves, and the like. Shar's divine senses reach out to a distance of 18 miles, which is approximately 29 kilometers. With this sense, she can perceive anything out from her worshippers, holy sites, objects related to her, and or any location where her name or one of her various titles has been spoken within the last hour. The sense can be used in 20 different locations at once. She also can then block out the divine senses of other deities who are of a similar power level to her or lower. Shar's portfolio sense allows her to sense any treacherous act or nihilistic thought taking place in darkness up to 1810 days, which is 180 days before happening, while it happens, and Shar also retains the sensation of such an event 
for 1810 days afterwards. Shar can create any magical item to hide the truth or cr- that creates magical darkness despite the gold cost. The Night Singer avatar is able to cast at will, create darkness, and continual darkness. She may lash out with her hands or sing her mournful song. The song she sings can have multiple effects including losses in character level, feeble-mindedness, instant death, or just a good amount of cold damage. The eyes of the Dark Dancer avatar can emit either harmful or beneficial gaze effects depending on the avatar's inclinations. The Dark Dancer also casts charm-type spells that triple their strength, and those saving against them have a negative 3 penalty to their rolls. The Dancer's Kiss also forces someone to either serve her or die, that is if they should fail to save. Both Shar's avatar's forms are incapable of casting any spell that produces light as its chief function. Personal History I will be more or less retreading a lot of historic events that we covered in the Salune episode, given the intertwined histories of both goddesses. Aside from Eo the Overgod, Shar and her twin sister Salune are the oldest native deities to the Forgotten Realms. Within the sphere Eo created for realm space, the twin deities came about from the misty shadows. Salune representing light, Shar representing darkness. From them, the celestial bodies of realm space were given form. For a time, the two sisters were extremely close and could be thought of as one being known as the two-faced goddess. The silver light from Salune was the only source of light present in realm space, but no heat came from this light. Upon Toril, they gave life to the planet, and from it came the Earth Mother Shantia. Shantia manifested on the surface of Toril, and pleaded with the sisters to provide light and warmth to shine down upon Toril in order for life to take hold. Here, at this point, sources conflict on the specifics of the tale, though the response to Shantia's request is the breaking point in the relationship between Salune and Shar in all versions. In one version of the tale, Salune agrees to this request and pulled flame in from the elemental plane of fire. With it, Salune ignited the sun. Shar hated this and lashed out at her sister, and from this moment on it is said that these twins have been in open conflict with one another. Shar attacks Salune first, diminishing much of the light Salune bore within. Weakened but still strong, Salune tore some magical essence from her form and threw it at her sister. After Shar was struck, some of her own essence fell away. In another version of the tale, Shar and Salune fought before the sun was lit in realm space. During this initial battle, it is said several deities were birthed from the deific essences that fell away from the twins, deities such as Talos and Tempest who are still present today. Salune gained the upper hand in the battle and took that moment to reach through to the plane of fire to bring flame and heat to the sun. This wounded Salune, but through her actions she allowed life to begin and flourish. Both tales converge in their narrative once more as Salune hurls her divine essence at her sister. Both essences of light and dark combined and form Mistral, who would go on to form the Weave. Despite a shared bond with both Salune and Shar, Mistral would become allied with Salune. Salune was dearly wounded from this exchange with her sister, and as a result, her power was greatly diminished. But with Mistral now on her side, Shar was forced into making an uneasy truce and retreated into the darkness to recover. 
Shar has since remained in the darkness and still holds onto most of her strength from this primordial time period, ever vengeful. Shar would recover from this battle through the help of the Shadavari, creatures of shadow that preceded even the creation of Salune and Shar. There is more to be said about the Shadavari, but I will leave that to the episode on Azuth. During the time of troubles in 1358 Dale Reckoning, Shar was weakened and brought down to the surface of Faerun, just like almost every other Faerunian deity. Shar took the opportunity, though, to find Ibrandul in a similar vulnerable position. When he fell down from the outer plains, Ibrandul found his way beneath Waterdeep and into Undermountain. Ibrandul's portfolio, as discussed earlier, was desired by Shar, but Shar also saw Imbrandul's portfolios as a trespass against her very own. Thus, Shar long hated this lizard-like deity, found him, and killed him. Ibrandul's petrified remains are said to lie in one of the levels of Undermountain after the battle. After her return to the Outer Plains, Shar began providing spells to Ibrandul's faithful. Following her murder of Ibrandul, Shar began masquerading as Salune in Waterdeep. She came to the House of the Moon, the large Watertavian Salunite Temple, claiming to be her sister. Though before the time of troubles, an avatar of Salune lived in Waterdeep, though seemingly no one knew where she was. But the proprietor of Salune's smile, a Watertavian tavern, was in fact the avatar. She went by the name of Luna. With the fall of the gods down to their avatar forms, I don't quite know if Luna absorbs Salune's essence as she fell to Toril. Regardless, the gods were vulnerable and Shar took advantage. Shar captured Luna when Luna came to challenge Shar's facade. Likely through manipulation and magic, Shar was able to convince Luna that she wasn't a deity. If it wasn't for the help of a party of adventurers, Shar likely would have been able there and then to destroy her sister once and for all. Shar and Salune would then engage in battle over top Waterdeep. Salune ultimately was able to foil Shar's plans. I know these events are covered in a line of comic books from the late 80s and early 90s under the title of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't have access to these comic books. Backing up a bit in the timeline, in the centuries preceding the Time of Troubles, Shares, the Faerudian goddess of hedonism and lust, fell under the sway of Shar. It got to the point that Shares was considered an aspect of Shar. As a result, Shares's faith was more dark and mysterious than it was boisterous and light-hearted. Much like Shar sought out Umbrandul and Salune, Shar sought out Shares to kill her and claim Shares's portfolios. Shares, however, was saved when Sunni restored Shares to her former self. When the floating Netherese city of Shade, also known as Ful Tanthar, came back from the Shadowfell and into Toril in 1372 Dale Reckoning, they allied with the Shar and Faith. In concert with the Shar and Faith, the Shadowvars began creating dead magic zones throughout Faerun, all the while making use of the Shadow Weave. While Shar's conflict with Salune has always been known to all, Shar's conflict with Mistral, and Mistra later on, simmered beneath the surface. One to never forget a grudge, Shar has always held a deep resentment for the goddess of magic, regardless of what has transpired over time. Given both Mistral's and Mistra's ancient alliance with Salune in favor of Shar, Shar long studied the weave and through her own experimentation, birthed her own version of it known as the Shadow Weave. With it, Shar hoped that she could slowly steal away power from Mistra and direct it to herself. Should the Shadow Weave begin to usurp the normal weave, 
Shar hoped for a reduction in Mistra's standing as one of the most powerful deities, and with that reduction, Shar could stand above all other deities. From there, either with Mistra serving her or destroyed, Shar could then kill her sister Selene for good. The Shadow Weave is, or was, able to make necromancy, enchantment, shadow, and illusion magic stronger. With it, Shar and her clergy attempted to alert evil spellcasters to its benefits. I do not know when Shar was first able to create the Shadow Weave, other than to say a third edition source book says, quote unquote, it has existed for quite some time. There is a mention of the Shar worshipping Kuatoa of Lubla Shar accessing the Shadow Weave in 531 Dale Reckoning. It is the earliest concrete date I can give you. In the years preceding the Spell Plague in 1385 Dale Reckoning, Shar tried to convince Sirik to use the Shadow Weave. As it is, Sirik despised that his followers had to use Mistra's Weave to enact his own will on the continent, especially given Sirik's past history with Mistra. Sirisis would come to start using it as Sirik and Shar would form a temporary alliance, the two deities plotting and then eventually enacting their plan as Sirik killed Mistra. What wasn't anticipated was the explosion of magical energy that burgeoned forth across all planes when Sirik killed Mistra. When the weave collapsed, the Shadow Weave did so as well. Shar could not maintain control, and the Shadow Weave was lost from her. The Weave and Shadow Weave would go on to persist despite this all, though whether Shar has regained control of the Shadow Weave is unknown to me. At best, it seems probable, but I would speculate that the Shadow Weave is no longer as prevalent as it once was. After the Spell Plague, Shar took the Plane of Shadow and molded it into what is presently known as the Shadowfell. To me, this just seems like a Forgotten Realm-centric reasoning of the official name change for the plane. As I will discuss later, the Shadow Well seems to me to be more or less the exact same as the Plane of Shadow. Just the name is now different. I'm going to mention some names here that I really won't delve into all that much until later in the podcast, but just go along with me as I discuss the rest of Shar's history. I think there is some tie the Adumbral Calyx, Volumvax, and an apocalyptic event known as Shadowstorm, which is tied to Shar, that all have a connection with one another in the Twilight War trilogy of novels that featured the character Erevis Kale. I tried my best to piece the scraps together from various Forgotten Realms wiki articles to discern what exactly happened. If I understood correctly, the Adumbral Calyx and Volumvax were brought through from the Shadowfell and into the Faerunian city of Ordolan in 1374 Dale Reckoning. This destroyed the city as a result, and was brought to bear by a Sharan priestess creating the Shadowstorm above the city. Shar could have destroyed the planet there and then if it wasn't for the intervention of Mask, the god of thieves. Mask was apparently able to seal Shar in the eye of the Shadow Storm. Then that storm would rage on well onto and past the Spell Plague, serving as the base for the Shadowvar. Then, during the Second Sundering in 1484 Dale Reckoning, explained in the Godborn novel, the Shadow Storm would be destroyed by Erevis, his son, and their companions. There's definitely more to that as it involves Mephistopheles, other shards of divinity, the Chosen of Masks, and Masks Rebirth. So it's definitely something that looks like it's going to be explored in Masks episode next. All that to say, I'm still not 100% clear what transpired here. 
It's never really mentioned in any of the source books that Shar was caught in the shadow storm for well over a century. So if anyone's able to better explain that for me, by all means, try to get in touch with me. And perhaps in a later episode, I could probably expand on this all. Personality. To me, Shar is still undeniably a greater deity. Just as I have said in other episodes, Wizards of the Coast have not provided us with the divine rankings for the vast majority of the deities in the Forgotten Realms. Shar is a neutral evil power. Since Ao created her, Shar has been the very representation of the void of nothingness and darkness that preceded creation in life and realm space. To that end, Shar yearns for all things to return to that state, to see it all wiped out. She is cunning, secretive, petty, vengeful, and manipulative. Shar is the being of cold and malice, never seen speaking angrily but always softly with dark intent. Humanoids are but a means to an end for Shar. Should she lose interest with one, should they rise above their station, and or prove to be a threat eventually, Shar destroys them without a second thought. To Shar, it is always easy to bring another humanoid into her fold. Shara never tells her lessers anything more than what they need to know, even her most trusted worshippers and servants. Shara claims to her worshippers that she will remove the pain they bear from past events. Instead, what Shara does is dull that pain so that her faithful instead can better adapt to it and accept it as the natural order of things. Personal Realms In the Great Wheel Cosmological Model, which is used for 1st edition, 2nd edition, and the soon model for 5th edition Forgotten Realms, Shara resides presently on what I assume to be the Shadowfell. But let's get into it and discuss where things stood in previous editions first. In 1st edition and 2nd edition sources, Shara resided on the lower outer plane of Hades. Hades is the neutral evil outer plane. It is also known as the Grey Waste or the Grey Waste of Hades. Shara resides on the second layer of Hades, known as Niflheim. Her personal realm here is known as the Palace of Loss. Hades is known by some to be the most evil of the planes, but you would not know it by its physical description. Hades is a plane that drains the color out of all things to some shade of gray, and it drains the meaning out of all life for all mortals who come there. Eventually, apathy sets in, and the individual begins to have no regard for the actions they commit towards one another. Those who stay here for too long lose their sense of self and become unwilling to leave. With enough time, mortals turn into larvae, alongside those evil souls who formed here long after dying on the Prime Material. The River Styx passes through the uppermost layer of Oinos, and it is here that the River Styx is at its midpoint as it winds its way through the lower outer plains. Niflheim, also known as Northmen's Despair, is a layer filled with a grey mist, grey pine trees, and gray underbrush. The constant mist not only makes it difficult to see, but also changes sound to the point that it makes it difficult to pick out where sounds may be coming from. The rugged terrain of Niflheim is marked with many ravines and bluffs which claim many as they travel through the dense fog without realizing where they are. Niflheim derives its name from the realm of the Norse goddess Hel, which uses the same name. Other than going through the first layer of Oinos and dodging whatever blood war shenanigans might be going on, someone can reach Niflheim by traveling along Yggdrasil, the world ash. This plain spanning tree's roots reach down into Niflheim. The Palace of Loss is described as a singular tower that rises above a bland and gray landscape. 
This tower is without windows or doors. It is a mystery to others when it comes to gaining entry, but the faithful petitioners of Shar can come and go without issue. Shar imprisons those in her tower who long to leave her realm. This longing and pain satisfies her deeply. In the World Tree cosmological model used for 3rd edition Forgotten Realms, Shar resides on the Plane of Shadow. As I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure the Plane of Shadow was just the previous name for what is presently known as Shadowfell in 5th edition. How and why Shar came to reside in the Plane of Shadow instead of remaining out in Hades, I do not know. Other than to say it is probably the most logical place for her given the shift from the Great Wheel cosmological model used in 2nd edition to the World Tree model used for 3rd edition. The Plane of Shadow seems to me to be a one-to-one -one description of what I know as the Shadowfell, but I could be wrong. After all, I just read up on it enough to present the basics, so please let me know if there are any actual differences, however slight they may be. The Plane of Shadow is a transitive plane that overlaps or echoes the Prime Material, as they both are coexistent with one another. It is a bleak, grim, and dark plane. Hardly any light is present on the Plane of Shadows, and colors are drained from every surface, giving the plane a palette of gray, black, and white. The features and landmarks found here are darker, twisted, and dangerous reflections of those found on the Prime Material. An example would be a river on the Prime Material may be reflected as a raging river with dangerous rapids in the Plane of Shadow. Up above this plane is an empty, dark sky without any celestial bodies. While a reflection of the Prime Material, the Shadowfell is morphic and aspects of it are fluid. Landmarks will remain in their primary location but they shift in form and shape, and sometimes may even bleed over into the Prime Material. Shar's realm is still known as the Palace of Loss here in the Plane of Shadow. It retains the same features as it had from 1st and 2nd edition. It is specifically called out in 3rd edition sources that spells cast using the Shadow Weave magic are both extended and maximized while in Shar's realm. Throughout other areas, light spells work at half their effectiveness, but in Shar's realm, they fail to manifest any light at all. Shar and petitioners found in Shar's realm look much like they did during their mortal lives. However, they take on a darker countenance. In the World Axis cosmological model used for 4th edition, surprisingly Shar's realm is not in the Shadowfell. Much like the other deities, her realm was placed out in the Astral Sea to become a dominion. Shar's dominion is known as the Towers of Night. Shrouded in perpetual night, this dark and twisted dominion contains a wide array of biomes from wastelands, bogs, and deserts. Shar still resides in the Palace of Loss, though it is described as a circular fortress rather than a tower. Shar also resides on this dominion with Seath, Talona, and Zahir. Back on the Shadowfell is the foundation of Loss. Here a deep and black well was formed in the ground where Shar's Palace of Loss once stood. This serves as a doorway from the Shadowfell to the Towers of Night. A variety of evil beings live in the area, and only the Sharan faithful are said to be able to travel here successfully. Many Sharans do so on pilgrimage. Down in the Foundation, there is said to be ancient lore to be discovered about the very elements of creation and destruction of the universe. With the second sundering and the retreat of the deities from the Astral Sea to what seems to me their former planar homes, I would speculate Shar has returned to the Shadowfell once more. Allies and Allegiances Shar does not have many allies, 
In most alliances she has had throughout the history of Faerun have been temporary, such as the one formed between Siric, which then led to the death of Mistra and the start of the Spell Plague. There was a time she allowed Veyron, one of the drow gods, and his followers to use the Shadow Weave. I speculate any sort of alliance between those two is no longer existent. The only ally she has had with some reoccurring frequency is Talona. Both goddesses hate Loviatar. Shevarash, the elven god of revenge and loss, has portfolios that overlap with Shars, and he is listed as an ally of Shars. It is said that the rest of the Seldarine is distressed at this prospect, as Shevaras looks to the Lady of Loss for solace and guidance. Though, to the best of my knowledge, that was only mentioned a couple of times over in 2nd edition and 3rd edition sourcebooks, so I do not know if any such alliance still exists. She once called Mercule an ally. Every temple to Mercule, proceeding in the time of troubles, had a shrine to the Lady of Loss, though with Mercule's death and recent rebirth, the relationship is unknown. Enemies Shara's primary enemy is undeniably Selene. That will likely not change until either one of them perishes. Shara's other chief foes include Shandakul, Loviatar, Ibrandul, Mistra, Lathander, Amonator, Shares, and the elven goddesses Sinin Mumbo and Hanali Selenil. Shandakul is despised both for his alliance with Selune and his desire to uncover those things that are hidden away. Given that Lathander and Amonator are both light deities, it stands to reason that Shar would despise them. Given the history between Shares and Shar, it is no surprise that the two of them are enemies. Deity and Avatar Stat Blocks You can find the second edition stat block for Shar's avatars in the Faiths and Avatar supplement. You can find the third edition stat block for both Shar herself and her avatars in the Faiths and Pantheon supplement. Symbols Throughout the history of the Sharm Faith, there have been three different symbols used. The first two were used back at the height of the Nethril Empire, and are seen in limited use in present-day Faerun. The first is a purple eye with a black pupil. It is bordered by a black outline. The second is a black and cowled cloak stretched out flat. Presently, the Sharm Faith is best known for just one holy symbol, a black disc bordered by a ring of purple. When it was the Sharn Faith stopped using the previous two symbols and changed over to the one used now, I do not know. Central Dogma From Faiths and Pantheons, a 3rd edition supplement. Quote, Reveal secrets only to fellow members of the faithful. Never follow hope or turn to promises of success. Quench the light of the moon, the agents and items of Salune, whenever you find it, and hide from it when you cannot prevail. The dark is a time to act, not wait. It is forbidden to strive to better your lot in life or to plan ahead except when directly overseen by the faithful of the dark deity. Consorting with the faithful of good deities is a sin except in business dealings or to corrupt them from their beliefs. Obey ranking clergy unless it would result in your own death. End quote. Presence of the Faith Broadly speaking, Shar's faith attracts anarchists, assassins, people looking for vengeance, nihilists, rogues, and spellcasters, and monks who blend shadow with their abilities. Shar's clerics tend to hold a chaotic evil, neutral evil, or lawful evil alignments. Shar has found praise among other non-human groups as well. 
Goblins are one humanoid group that are mentioned. While other creatures who despise the light may consciously praise her or unconsciously do so by carrying out their deeds in the dark. This is thought to be tied to her usurpation of Ibranduil's identity after his murder at her hands. Shades are a race of humanoids who have been within the Shadowfell so long to the point that they have become infused with the shadow magic that persists there. Shades were formed from the successive generations of Netherese people who lived on the floating city of Thulanthar after fleeing to the plain of Shadow or Shadowfell in response to Karsus's folly. These shades are also known as the Shadowvar. Not every shade is necessarily of Netherese origin, but they make up the vast majority. Shara, of course, has been tied to them for so long as their primary patron deity. Krynth are a type of hybrid humanoid born of demons and the Shadowvar. Shara took a deep interest in the Krynth. They were once infertile until Shara worked her magic. In the Krynth, Shara saw a type of people who could bridge the boundaries between the Shadowfell and the Prime Material with greater ease. There is more to the history of the Krynth, but to keep it concise, they existed as a slave class among the Shadowvar. But as it was, the Shadowvar had not yet found a way to re-enter Toril, and Shara's interest in the Krynth waned. Though when the Shadowvar eventually returned to Toril aboard the floating city, Shara once more became interested in the Krynth. Using her faithful, Shara and Angels made it possible for Krynth to escape the City of Shade. The Krynth race, however, saw a steep decline in their numbers following the Spell Plague. It may be to a point that only a handful or no more Krynth exist presently. The Dark Moon Heresy is the basis for a heretical sect who hold that Salune and Shara are just two aspects, or two faces of the same goddess. They are specifically all neutral in alignment. Unfortunately, no further details are provided about this sect of worshippers. Not many people on Faerun know much, if anything, about the Sharan faith, given its secretive and elusive tendencies. Unsurprisingly, the Sharan faith, which may also be called Night Church, is outlawed in a multitude of different places across the continent. So in turn, the Sharan faith take their worship underground, sometimes both literally and figuratively. As a result, worship of Shara can be used by the faithful to entice those who look to rebel against the current power structure. In order to destabilize and destroy local governments, Sharans have learned to infiltrate under the cover of false cults, hedonistic establishments, or elitist social clubs. From there, they work to undermine the ruling order. A few of the places Sharans operate openly are Kalant, Momaster, Skornubal, Sembia, and Westgate. Here, Sharans are barred from trying to bring down the government in any fashion. Sharar had one known chosen. I have read a few Forgotten Realms novels in the past, and The Adversary, one of the novels in the Sundering series, as well as the Brimstone Angel series, a chosen of Shar is encountered by the main character. This chosen's identity is never mentioned, but she is called the Nameless One, and was a high priestess and handmaiden of Shar. She was a young teenage Shadowvar with a slight build, black hair, and grayish skin. She was killed in the adversary novel, while the main characters made their escape. Hierarchy and Structure of the Clergy Sharan clergy may be referred to as Night Cloaks or Dershar, depending on what source book you go by. Sharans may refer to themselves as martyrs. They see themselves as martyrs since they willingly give up their souls to the inevitable darkness of Shar. Shar's faith is wealthy. Following the dictates of Shar, Sharans make easy coin and gain property as they steal, murder, smuggle, 
and or run illegitimate businesses without any hesitation. The Sharan faith is also ancient. The faith structure has essentially been the same since the time of the Netheril Empire. The only documented number of Sharan worshippers is listed at 100,000 people, which then only 3,500 of that number are clergy members. These numbers are smaller than one might think. Due to the hate Sharans have for Selenites, there are constant skirmishes and battles between the two faiths across the continent, which often claim many Sharans. Several Sharan cells are found in any given city. There is no one large center of her worship confined to one temple. Instead, her faith has its power divided amongst the various cells. Each cell then has its own strong ruler. Each cell, in turn, also tends to revolve around a local Sharan shrine or temple. In each specific cell, it is standard for Sharans to only know a few select members without being aware of the entire structure and numbers of their given cell. Likewise, they may not even be aware to the identity of the leadership of the Sharan cell itself. Instead, they may just know the own secret. The own secret is two things. It is first the name Shar gives to the high-ranking clergy member in charge of the cell. It is then also the knowledge of the deed performed to demonstrate this clergy's member's immense loyalty for the Dark Goddess that is then disseminated down to others in the cell. Specific honorifics in the Sharan faith are Brother or Sister Knight for Lower Clergy and Mother or Father Knight for High Clergy. The known ranks of the faith are the following in ascending order. Adept in the Knight who are the novices in the faith. Washer, which is the first rank in the full clergy, Hand of Shar, Dark Lord or Dark Lady, Knight Seer, which is a regional leader, and Flame of Darkness, which are the clergy members in the upper echelon of the Sharan faith. Within the Monks of the Dark Moon, the monastic Sharan order we will discuss soon, senior monks are given the title of either Dark Father or Dark Mother. The head of each monastery is known as the Dark Father Abbot or the Dark Mother Abbess. Responsibilities and Duties of the Faithful Unsurprisingly, the hate Shar has for his sister Salune extends to their respective faiths. These two ancient faiths have been warring with one another for millennia. If the opportunity to strike out Selenites presents itself, Sharans will call off whatever else they are doing, convene, and go forward with the attack. While Sharans openly fight against Selenites, rarely if ever do they strike out so vividly at other opposing faiths. Those who become Sharan clergy often have their own dark pasts, pains, and secrets to hide away from the world through those avenues provided by Shar. In turn, some clergy then see it as a responsibility to teach other clergy or otherwise how to do the same. Sharans are expected to perform some wicked deed at least once every ten day. Sharans often do not work with one another, even within the same region. Instead, they often work in small groups or by themselves. This is by design. By being so separated, their numbers are not diminished should one of their plots fall through and casualties occur. Orders handed down by high-ranking Sharan clergy are to be carried out no matter the situation, other than if they are specifically suicidal in nature. The Sharan faith is small as it is, and Shar forbids such zealous martyrdom. Coin is important to the Sharan faith, but secrets are far more valuable. Secrets are only to be traded in kind, and even then those secrets are heavily guarded. The right secret always has the potential to lead someone to become receptive to Shar's tenets and values. Shadow Weave is or was very important to almost every Sharan spellcaster. 
Only those who have shown great proficiency and are worthy will then be shown either by Shar herself or others the ability to access the stronger elements of the Shadow Weave. Sharans were, or do, go out and kill non-Sharan spellcasters who use the Shadow Weave in a less than desirable way, especially those who document and study it like a neutral party. Some spellcasters may even attempt to return the elements of the Shadow Weave before them back into elements of the normal weave. A small body of Sharans are dead set against the use of any non-Sharans using the Shadow Weave to begin with, and will use their various means to see them dealt with. Shar would definitely know of this dissenting opinion among her followers, but she has never intervened or shown disapproval. Much like Shar herself only seems to maintain temporary alliances with other evil deities, her faith does much the same. Sharans are hard to work with given their secretive and mysterious nature. If the option presents itself, Sharans will use the means necessary to easily control or dictate orders to undead, other humanoids, young chromatic dragons, and other evil creatures in fulfilling a given mission. Orders and Priestly Bodies Nightbringers are the specialty clergy of the Sharan faith. They exist on their own outside the ranks of the Sharan faith. Nightbringers read to me as independent agents who serve as both contacts and messengers. The Monks of the Dark Moon, aka Dark Moon Monks, are a monastic order among sorcerers who zealously carry out Shar's desires through the use of the Shadow Weave. These monks are one of the most prolific and shadowly bodies used by Shar. They usually fulfill the tasks of assassination, enforcement, and spycraft. The heads of this monastic group are said to be in direct communication with Shar. They are wholly independent from the rest of the Sharan clergy and do not fall under any aspect of its organizational structure. Temporary partnerships have happened between both groups, but they are rare. Though the heads of this order still do meet with other Sharan clergy annually at the Temple of the Old Knight. As one of the more recent Sharan groups, they were created in the later years of the 14th century Dale Reckoning in response to the far greater trespassing of Loviatar and her, follow- and her followers into one of Shar's portfolios. They are deeply secretive and known by few. Recruits are weeded out for any sense of hesitation or presumed lack of devotion when following through with their dictates from Shar. Over a year, these recruits are put through strenuous physical training and religious indoctrination. Though recruits must also show a capacity with sorcery alongside martial prowess. The monks are a very small group with a membership said just to be short of 200 members. There is a secretive order said to be called the Dark Justiciers, though not much is written about them, other than to say that membership in this order is reserved for clergy who manage to kill a Selenite clergy member. They have reportedly existed as an organization as far back as the Netheral Empire. Dark cloaks are an unusual body within the Sharn faith. They serve as diviners and as those set up to try and help individuals forget their past pains. Through their actions, Dark Cloaks have presented a socially acceptable front for their faith, whereas it otherwise would be prosecuted and shunned. To present a mysterious facade, they present their divinations as riddles and with odd symbols that is then up to the person to discern for themselves. They are expressly neutral in alignment compared to their evil contemporaries. The Nightbringers are an established order with the sole responsibility of combating the Selenite faith. Nightbringers attempt to emulate Shar as best as they can with their whispering voices, dour humor, and graceful movements. They aim to terrify others more than lash out. 
though things change should they come across as Selenite. Such a vitriolic hate is reserved for those who serve the Moon Maiden. Nightbringers experience some mechanical benefits while adventuring beneath a new moon. They'll suffer penalties while out in bright sunlight or nights with a full moon. The Daughters of the Shadow Weave are a group of Sharon Drow based out of the underdark city of Ched Nassad. They are led by Zestra Alian Rahel, who wears a sacred Sharon artifact known as Gorthir's Girdle. Appearance and Dress Black and purple feature prominently not just in the dress of the clergy, but also throughout places of worship. The ceremonial dress of the Sharon faith varies. Dress for high ceremony involves a long-sleeved dark purple robe over top black tights. Either a black skull cap covers the head, or women with black hair themselves can go without it, though their hair must be kept long and untied. Sharans during the height of the Nethro Empire would use magic or diet to turn their hair black. Long and black hair is heavily prized and valued as it is thought to be tied with the image of Shar herself. Dress for, let's say, what would be considered less important ceremonies may take the form of black cloaks or dark clothing that makes little to no noise, purple accents both in trim and accessories. When adventuring, Sharns will wear clothes fitting the fashion of the region. There is a preference for jewelry that features obsidian, black onyx, amethyst, and purple jade. Sometimes the black disc of Shar is worked into the face of the jewelry. Clergy are free to wear the needed type of armor when entering into hostile situations. Dark cloaks wear long, draping black hoods and cloaks trimmed with purple. They wear a specific fragrance that some believe to produce some amnesiastic response in those who smell it. The dark cloaks themselves will not confirm or deny this matter. The perfume itself has the potential for the person to suffer under the effects of a forget spell from 2nd edition, should a save be failed. The Nightbringers wear purple tunics and leggings with black trim. Then over top they wear a roomy black hood and cloak with purple trim. Upon the front of their tunic is Shar's holy symbol. They typically wear armor like leather armor that allows them to move about stealthily and carry weapons that are easily concealable. Ed Greenwood presents Elminster's Guide to the Forgotten Realms still proves to be a divergent book compared to other books that have been written. Sharans, as described in this book, Walk about at night often with nothing on save a magical cloak known as a night cloak. The night cloak allows the wearer to fly and cast silence in the area around them. Sharans either grow their hair to a very long length or wear wigs with long hair. Sharans then enchant this hair so it is able to carry and conceal daggers, lanterns, and other similar small items. The hair is also enchanted so as to be able to catch on and cling to other objects. This won't bear the weight of the person, however it has other uses. Rituals. Surprising no one, Sharon clerics meditate on their spells at night. Sharon may have a lasting light spell cast upon them for a day or multiple days at a time as a form of punishment. This, disallo- this disallows them from doing anything in the dark. The Sharon faith has one holiday on the calendar. The rising dark, or the rising of the dark, is celebrated on the Feast of the Moon. The Feast of the Moon is a day that takes place between the months of Uktar and Nighthall. The Rising Dark consists of a leader of the local Sharan sect, listing off the plans for the upcoming year, while life sacrifice is placed before them. There is a hedonistic ritual known as the Nightfall performed every night by Sharan clergy. 
The nightfall consists of a short prayer, a dance, spoken instructions said to be from Shar, and a revel involving eating, drinking, and dancing. The lay folk who worship Shar are expected to attend a nightfall once every ten day. The nightfall ritual does have one variation of moonless nights. This variation of the nightfall is known as the coming of the lady. Each Shar in his cell is expected to perform an act of vengeance or wickedness that night. The kiss of the lady, or kismut, is an irregularly scheduled ceremony practiced by Shar and clergy. It is an evil ceremony that involves death, sacrifice, and other evil deeds throughout the night. A feast is then carried out at dawn upon the ceremony's completion. Gaining entrance into the Sharan faith is an indirect process. A prospective member has to let it be known that they are receptive to the idea of joining the faith. But this is not so simple as walking up to Sharan and letting them know. Sharan clergy work in secret, so it seems it is up to potential recruits to get that message out in their own way. From there, if they are approached, the individual is then asked to go out and perform an act of great evil against either friends or family. Sharans find it easy to convince the prospective member of such heinous acts if they, have, if they have been slighted by a given friend or family member. Or they may murder another potential recruit who is too weak-willed to go through with a heinous act of their own. Once accepted, and later made into a full clergy member, the new clergy member's superiors will supply a steady stream of evil, malicious tasks and missions. This is done with the intent so that this newer member has done so much harm to never be welcomed into polite society ever again. The ritual of Shadow Mantle, just as the name implies, allows a Sharn to cloak themselves in shadow. Mechanically and narratively, the individual can become more intimidating and protect themselves from spells that are divine, luminescent, and or good in nature. It provides an innate defense bonus and provides access to dark vision. These listed effects last up to a minute. A black sapphire is needed as a component and consumed in this ritual. The ritual of shadow walking allows a Sharan to travel through shadows up to a distance of 100 feet away. This ritual can certainly be used in an attempt to travel quickly, but is most often invoked in order to escape a dire situation. This is due to the damage it does to the user. Temporary damage is dealt to the user's constitution while they also suffer a small amount of cold damage. A Sharan may attempt to hide in the shadow, but for each round they do so, they suffer an even greater amount of damage to both hit points and constitution. A valuable piece of jet is needed as a component and consumed in this ritual. The Dark Reward is a promised gift to any Sharan clergy member after they perish. Most are brought back as some form of lesser undead to help the faith in their endeavors. Those who are more heavily favored by Shar are brought back to life wholly, though with some degree of new magical powers. Known as the Shadow, they may be able to turn invisible for a short amount of time or take on a gaseous form. They also bear some physical malady like a singular black claw in place of a hand or a serpent's tail that hangs down from their backs. All shadowed have pure black eyes without any whites or irises to speak of. Their voices are hoarse and wispy. General Locations of Places of Worship It is a rare thing to see a place of worship out in the open dedicated to Shar. Shar rituals and practice are to be carried out in secret after all. The whereabouts of Sharan places of worship are heavily guarded. Only when it is deemed appropriate will someone be let into the inner circle and learn these details. Several Sharan locations are hid under the cover of a local business or home. 
Then at least one room in this building is enchanted to be under the cover of complete darkness for ritual and sacrifice. The symbol of the black disc is front and center in shower and places of worship, but often the symbol does need to be hidden away following ceremony so as to not alert anyone who might stumble in on the establishment to the knowledge of Sharan practices. Specific Places of Worship Beneath Kalimport is an area of the city known as Dark Kalimport. Levels of sewers, cellars, tombs, and the like have been built beneath the city for centuries. What is believed to be the oldest and most opulent Sharan temple finds itself in the lowest levels of Dark Kalimport. Long ago, this was a blue-pillared temple to Taiki, but was taken over by the Sharans. This underground complex takes up a significant portion of the subterranean region beneath eastern Kalimport. As a result, Sharans control the lower third of all the levels of this subterranean region. Access to this region can be obtained through five surface establishments, which serve as shrines to Shar. These shrines are seen as unimportant and can be easily sealed off by Sharans down below. It is mentioned in passing that Shar has temples and shrines in the Shadowfell, though where specifically they might be goes unsaid. To talk about the next location, we first must mention a specific powerful Sharan servant, Volumvax. Volumvax is a shade who was given the barest amount of a divine spark from Shar in exchange for his millennia-long service. Volumvax was formerly known as Kesson Rel, and was a chosen of Mask before abandoning his former patron for Shar. The unfortunate result of receiving a divine spark was the mental instability Volumvax experienced as his normal senses expanded out to that of divine senses. Shar no longer had any use for Volumvax and tucked him away in a place Volumvax came to call a Dumbrel Calyx in the Shadowfell. Here Volumvax was able to enslave the local creatures and had them build up a tower in the mountains. Around the tower, Volumvax created eight portals to different locations where Sharon sells meat. These eight portals lead to the Dark House Temple in Serlune, a gazebo in the gardens of a merchant house in Heliogabalus, a destroyed temple to Geb in Skuld, an abandoned chamber in the Thieves' Guild in Moran, a disused wing of a bathhouse in Iljak, the Temple of the Old Knight in Kalimport, within the hollow head of a copper statue in Zazapur, Finally, a golden coach car in Lufchak. Underneath Volumvax's tower is a void of darkness called the Black Eljabar. Here, Volumvax sacrifices humanoids by dumping them into the void. The shadow souls that are then created by this help to fill the forces of Volumvax. Volumvax now believes himself to be one of the Shadowvari. As you will recall from earlier in the episode, the Shadowvari are the ancient creatures who existed in the darkness of realm space even before Salune and Shara were created. Their dark embrace is a temple housed up on an escarpment known by the faithful as the Shar Crag. It overlooks the trade road between Imneskar and Esmeltaran in Alm. The clergy here are far more ruthless and involved in politics than typical Sharans. The temple is ran by a cadre of Sharan assassins. They hold a rivalry with the clergy of the Temple of the Old Knight and chafe against the policies handed down by this ancient and influential temple. The monks of the Dark Moon were first formed behind the walls of a Sharan shrine in Perskull. What transpires within the shrine is only known by the monks. Even Sharan clergy do not go into the shrine. 
The monks of the Dark Moon have other bases across Faerun. Some of the known ones are a shrine beneath the northwestern Sword Mountains, a usurped Selenite shrine on the southern borders of Cormanthor, upon the summit of one of the Thunder Peaks, and a hill found deep in the Calm Desert that has tunnels that have been eroded throughout it. Other holds and shrines used by the monks are found in underdark caverns. The Dark House of Seralun is the Temple of the Shar hidden beneath a lighthouse on Mezeketh Isle. Since it is secluded away from Seralun proper, it is a fantastic hideaway for Sharans in need of a place of shelter, as well as a place to carry out their dark sacrifices. The Cult of Shadow in Serlagal both doubles as a Sharan temple and the headquarters for the local thieves' guild. The guild here are known as the Shar Women, an organization once solely made up of women. It is now open to all genders since the other main thieves' guild in Thurzlagal was destroyed. A former Netherese temple of note was the Reign of Night, established in the settlement of Sepulchre. It was said to be the largest temple in all of Nethril. Here the head of the Sharan faith presided, though this was not known to all Sharans. This temple was a mysterious multi-floored complex built with multiple secret passages, hidden rooms, cryptic puzzles, and traps. Shadowweave nodes are pooled collections of Shadowweave essence that have leaked into Faerun due to the continuous use of this source. These nodes allow Shadowweave users to empower themselves by drawing on this pooled energy. They are a rare sight, but one known node can be found in the Great Rift. The Vale of Whispers is a shrine at the southern border of the Great Peak Mountains to the northwest of the Marsh of Shalimber. This dome-shaped cave is said to store the countless secrets that have been whispered to Shar and her followers over the millennia. It is an ancient shrine thought to be old as the continent itself. The cave ceiling and floor are covered with needle-like rock formations. Standing within the shrine, a person will hear whispers bounce around the walls of the cave continuously. After about a minute, one whisper will come to be clearer than any other as the person is able to pick out what is being whispered. Shadows inhabit the cave and attack any non-sharon who attempts to learn the secrets here. Attached to the shrine is a specific ritual that potentially allows a sharon the ability to discern a wanted secret among all the others. By kneeling in the center of the shrine, the individual is bombarded with thousands of whispers. Should the needed check be passed, they are able to learn of the secret. The benefit of this successful ritual is a significant improvement to deceive others in a given mission or task. Non-Sharans who attempt the ritual are dealt a curse that inhibits their strongest ability for a 24-hour period. Minsoran was a series of four theocratic cities established around the Lake of Wang in 300 Dale Reckoning. Each town was devoted to one specific deity, Salune, Shar, Lathander, and Mistra. By 600 Dale Reckoning, these four cities had been abandoned after a freak blizzard passed through and the inhabitants were slain by a white dragon. Vanrak Doom is the name given to the 18th level of Undermountain that serves as an enclave for Sharans beneath the city. This level is named after its founder, Lord Vanrak, the Dark Ranger, who was in direct conflict with his family, the Moonstars, who had been devout Selenites for centuries. Vanrak was able to turn himself into a Death Knight who forever served Shar. The Sharans and Selenites have long been at each other's throats in Waterdeep, even before a split was made in the Moonstar family. The Selenite Moonstar sent a bronze dragon to bring Vanrak back to the surface to face his crimes, 
but the dragon failed, instead becoming corrupted themselves, turning into a shadow dragon, and then becoming Vanrak's personal mount. Vanrak eventually fell into utter despair, renounced Shar, and begged Salunate for forgiveness. He struck himself down with a sunblade in 1436 Dale Reckoning. Presently, Vanrak Doom is presided over by the Sharn vampire cleric Caresta Delvingstone, alongside her devout Sharn vampire spawn. The Hall of Shadow very likely now lies in ruin considering it was found in the Shadowvar city of Fultanthar that crashed down into Mithranor in 1487 Dale Reckoning. This was where the Shadowvar worshipped Shar. Through Shar's guidance, they were able to divine a way to return to Faerun once more. Every temple that once might have been built to venerate another Netherese deity was eventually converted to the worship of Shar. Lublashar, which means forsake for Shar, in what I take to be undercommon, is found in the middle of Darklands. It is a half-submerged Kuatoan city of devout Sharans. Once dedicated to Blipdulpoop, the city exists in complete darkness due to the ban on all light sources. The Kuatoans are to rely solely on their dark vision to get around. Deep within the submerged tunnels of the lower half of the city is a series of portals that allow access to the waters of the surface world. Some unknown creature or creatures long ago established the city in portals before abandoning it. Now the Kuatoa open the portals by reciting ancient prayers to Shar. The Kuatoa of Lublashar aid the surface Sharans in the trade of secrets as well as giving them access to their various portals. The Cathedral of Night is a Sharan temple built by the Shadowvar in the ruins of the former Netherese enclave of Zinlanal. The shrine looks destroyed from the outside, but the Shadowvar have refurbished the inside with black stone and enchanted the interior to be cloaked in shadow. The shrine also contains a portal that allows the Shadowvar access to their supply route in the Shadowfell. Unnamed temples to Shar can be found in Byzantur and Selgon. Shrines to Shar can be found in Darelune and Westgate. Character Options For 2nd edition, in the Face and Avatar Supplement and the Netheral Empire Magic Box set, you can find the breakdown for the Nightbringer Specialty Priest. In the Warriors and Priests of the Realm Supplement, there is a feature for Shar and Crusaders in the breakdown for the Dark Cloak and Nightbringer Priest variants. For 3rd edition, in the Face and Pantheon Supplement, there is the Night Cloak Prestige class. In the Champions of Ruin Supplement, there is the Initiate of Shar Feet. The Initiate of Shar Feet can also be found in the supplement City of Splendor's Waterdeep. The Shadow Weave Magic Feet and Shadow Adept Prestige class can be found in the Forgotten Realms Companion Setting Sourcebook. The Shadow Adept Prestige class can be also be found in the Player's Guide to the Forgotten Realms Sourcebook. Continuing on with the trend of building custom 5th edition backgrounds for players, here is what I would do for a suggested background for a Sharn worshipper or follower. For your two skill proficiencies, I would take Stealth and Deception. For your two languages or two tool proficiencies, I would take the Disguise Kit and Poisoner Kit. For your equipment, I would take either the Acolytes from the Player's Handbook, the Charlatans from the Player's Handbook, though taking something that's starting gold for a holy symbol, or there's the Faction Agent from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. For the Ribbon feature, there's the Acolytes Shelter the Faithful, Charlatan's False Identity, or the Faction Agent's Safe Haven.
Here is also a list of subclasses that I think would be thematically appropriate for a PC or MBC to take if they are a worshiper or clergy member of Shar. For the Bard, there's the College of Whispers from Xanthar's Guide to Everything. For the Cleric, there's the Death Domain from the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Trickery Domain from the Player's Handbook. For the Monk, there's the Way of Shadow Monk from the Player's Handbook. For the Ranger, there's the Gloomstalker from Xanthar's Guide to Everything. For the Rogue, there's the Arcane Trickster, Assassin, and Thief from the Player's Handbook. The Inquisitive and Mastermind from Xanthar's Guide to Everything. And the Phantom Rogue from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. For the Sorcerer, there's the Shadow Sorcerer and Divine Soul Sorcerer from Xanthar's Guide to Everything. Finally, for the Wizard, there's the School of Illusion and Necromancy from the Player's Handbook. Dungeon Master Options Starting with Creatures, Here's a list of non-humanoid creatures from official 5th edition sources that would, or I think would worship, Shar. From the Monster Manual, there's the Death Knight, Shadow, and Death Tyrant. From Mordekainen's Tome of Foes, there's the Nightwalker. From Volo's Guide to Monsters, the Shadow Mastiff. From Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there's the Crow and Shadow Assassin. From Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, there's the Gloomstalker. Finally, from Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, there's the Night Veil Spectre and Shadow Horror. Just touch on some non-fifth edition, uh, non-humanoid creatures that you can make use of. Nightshades are undead creatures made of evil and shadow. They roam about the Shadowfell, and at least according to the Nightwalker entry in Mordkind's Tome of Foes, birthed out of the negative energy plane if a humanoid creature finds their way into that plane and become trapped. There are four known varieties of nightshades. We have the Nightwalker available to us, as I mentioned earlier, in 5th edition sources. Two others, the Nightcrawler and Nightwing, can be found in the 3.x edition Monster Manual 1. And then the Night Haunt can be found in the 3rd edition supplement Lost Empires of Faerun. Kerlanen are a group of evil-winged humanoids birthed from the destruction of some of the gods during the Time of Troubles. They serve Shar unerringly and can be found throughout her enclaves. The highest members in their caste-based society are known as Voices. The Voices are said to know Shar's will. Initially, Kerlanen despised all the gods, but as time passed, they found the tenets of Shar and Doctrine to be enticing. Stat blocks for the Kerlanens can be found in 3rd editions and 4th editions Forgotten Realms Companion Guide for source books. Dark Tentacles are Swamp-Dwelling Aberrations. They will use treasure and items to lure people towards them lying in wait. Having flattened their amorphous black many-tentacled bodies out, they will lash out at their prey once they come close. Each tentacle of this creature is lined with eyes and is up to 20 feet long. As an intelligent creature, they may wield weapons and other items against their opponents. The stat box for dark tentacles can be, can be found in 2nd edition's The Ruin of Undermountain box set, 3rd edition's Monster Manual 2, and 4th edition's Halls of Undermountain. Umbral Glooms are extraplanar creatures native to the plane of shadow made up of shadow essence and numerous purple eyes. They are used by Shar and her clergy often as servitors, though Masca started claiming them for his own as well. These creatures prefer to ambush from the dark and put out any sources of light in combat. They speak to one another in the tongue of the Netherese, which may belie their creation at the hands of the Shadowbar. 
The stats and further lore for the Umbral Gloom can be found in Dragon Magazine issue 353. Death giants, at least as the Forgotten Realms are concerned, are evil giants who long ago sold their souls to the negative energy plane in exchange for great and evil power. Once they lived among the Netherese's ash giants, but in order to protect themselves, their souls were offered up. To this day, death giants are said to roam Netherese ruins out in the Onorok Desert or hunt for souls in the Shadowfell. Their stat blocks can be found in 3rd edition's Monster Manual 3 and 4th edition's Monster Manual 1. For humanoid stat blocks from 5th edition sources, you could make use of the Acolyte, Assassin, and Priest found in the Monster Manual. To round out this section on Dungeon Master options, we'll talk about magic items. The Book of the Black is a major artifact. This tome was penned by Ogathra the Mad and Negative 700 Dale Reckoning. She was the author of the Rule of the Years. At night she had horrendous visions given to her by Shar, which she documented in her sleep in what would become the Book of the Black. It is simple in appearance, though the writing put to the pages here is illegible. This eligibility is due to a curse put on the book by Shar, so as to disallow anyone, save someone of her choosing, to read what was written. Algathra thought these visions to be prophecies and put them to paper. The prophecy spoke of the destruction of the Weave and the eventual destruction of Mistral at the hands of an archwizard named Karsus, which obviously did come to pass. The Book of the Black contains an alternative chronology known as the Black Chronology. Olgothra wandered around Faerun, unable to die before the book became lost. Once recovered in 684 Dale Reckoning, another series of diviners were able to suss out what the various prophecies presented in the Book of the Black meant. They believed that Shar would become weakened, and they committed their findings to their own book known as The Leaves of One Night. Both books would be stolen by Sharans. The Sharans and Shadowvar in tandem would go on to try and enact these events, presented in both books, but ultimately failing as seen by the effects of the Spell Plague. It is possible for someone to discern the hidden writing of this book, only piece by piece, and it is a very difficult task, even with the aid of appropriate spells. Each time something is translated, the translator is struck with some sort of disturbing vision of the cosmos, they receive temporary bonuses to all their roles, and an even significant bonus to their roles against Sharans. Somehow, Sharans inherently know what the translator has done and will attack them on sight. With enough time, it is thought someone would be able to learn even Shar's secrets. Further details and the breakdown for the Book of the Black can be found in the 3rd edition adventure module, Onorok, the Empire of Shade. The Camellia of the Black Lady is a magical flower that is used for nefarious purposes by Sharans. This white flower is usually worn attached to some piece of headwear like a headband. The flower produces a strong, sweet scent that carries for some distance. The flower is activated by pressing the stem, allowing the user to cast Dominate Person on an individual within range. Doubly so, if the target fails or save, they are under the effects of a remorseless charm. The person must commit to the commands given to them despite the heinousness and danger inherent to them for 9 days. After the 9 days are up, a poison spell is cast upon this individual whereby they suffer significant damage to their constitution if the saves are not met. Of note that DCs to save against this flower's effects are a touch higher for Selenites. The flower is named after an infamous Sharon assassin known as the Black Lady who used flowers to good use 
during her time. The full breakdown for the Camellia of the Black Lady can be found in 3rd edition's Champions of Ruin. The Shadowstone is a minor artifact in the Sharn Faith. It is a plus 2 heavy mace created by Shar with magic from the Shadow Weave. This artifact Shar gave to her dutiful follower Damien Crail. It enhances darkness-related spells, wards against energy-draining spells, and has the potential to afflict blindness on anyone struck with it. The breakdown for the Shadowstone can be found in 3rd edition's Champions of Ruin. Like most holy tomes presented in 2nd edition's Prayers from the Faithful, Gorothea's Girdle is an unorthodox tome. This text is housed in a black leather corset. Upon the outside of the corset are 28 jet gemstones, each with a face carved into them. The faces are realistic in appearance and about the size of a palm. The eye sockets of each face are empty. In order to cast the spells associated with the girdle, the required gemstones need to be placed into the two eye sockets of the corresponding face. When the correct gems are placed, they glow slightly and project the details of the associated spell in midair spelled out in green fire. Anyone is capable of using the girdle, not just Sharon's. The tome is named after Gorther, aka the Dark Prophet, its supposed maker, a powerful Sharon priest who wore the girdle for seven centuries, starting in negative 310 Dale Reckoning. Gorther would be brought down by his own descendants due to their hatred towards him, and the girdle was claimed by someone in his family. The girdle would then pass through many different hands, some Sharon, some not affiliated with the faith at all. One of those slain wearing the corset is still said to haunt it, causing whomever wears it to feel a sense of being watched from time to time. The last known wearer of Gorther's girdle is Zestra Elian Rahel, who found it on the corpse of an Ilithlich just outside Chednasad. The breakdown for Gorther's girdle can be found in the 2nd edition's Prayers from the Faithful. There is also a 3rd edition breakdown for the girdle in the 3rd edition supplement, The Underdark. The Disc of Secrets is a magic amulet that is disguised as a silver disc hanging from a silver chain. When a command phrase is spoken, the illusion falls away to reveal a disc made of jet and amethyst to resemble Shar's holy symbol. It is effectively just a minor magic holy symbol that allows Sharans to conceal what would be otherwise a clear indicator of their patron deity. Its details can be found in the 3rd edition adventure module, Cormier, Tearing of the Weave. The Shadow Shard is a thumb-sized, deep purple crystal with bronze clasps around it. It is meant to be worn as a pendant. With it, a person can seriously debilitate anyone who uses the weave for their magic, cutting them off from it and significantly reducing their hit points. It carries a curse that hinders any non-Sharan who tries to wield it. Shadow Shards are what remain from the Stone of Madrock, aka the Shadow Stone, a powerful artifact that was broken. The breakdown for the Shadow Shard can be found in two 3rd edition adventure modules, Cormier, Tearing of the Weave, and Shadowdale, The Scouring of the Land. The Starry Gnosis is a large crystal sphere that is about the size of a grapefruit. Within it is a dark core which gives off the occasional twinkle of light along the core's surface. Speaking in the command phrase, it allows the holder to bewitch anyone around them of their choice. Slowly a person may come to be dominated, but before that they suffer cumulative mechanical penalties to attack the holder of the Gnosis. The Gnosis also provides its wielder with dark vision. Non-Charons who attempt to use the Gnosis have it explode on them, 
causing a significant amount of coal damage to themselves and those around them. Further details in the full breakdown of the starry gnosis can be found in the 3rd edition adventure module, Cormir Tearing of the Weave. The amulets of Perfect Night were created by Shar after Shar killed Ibranduil back during the Time of Troubles. Being down in the Underdark, it reminded her of the void of nothingness that existed before the creation of Realm Space. In commemoration, Shar made the amulets of Perfect Night. They are flat black metal discs with an amethyst-colored ring that surrounds them. They are often mistaken for simple Sharon holy symbols. While they are used as holy symbols, they also provide the wearer access to the darkness spell that cannot be dispelled with illumination magics. They provide the wearer dark vision and allow the wearer to see through even magical darkness. Those surrounded in the darkness created by the amulet suffer a penalty to save against shadowy magic and can potentially cause someone to go blind temporarily. Further details in the full breakdown of the Amulet of Perfect Night can be found in Dragon Magazine, issue 333. To round out the topic of magic items, we'll just go over a list of magic items that are appropriate or I feel are appropriate to the Sharn Faith in official 5th edition sources. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's the Amulet of Proof Against Detection and Location, Cloak of Elvenkind, Cloak of the Bat, Crystal Ball and all its variants, Dagger of Venom, Dust of Disappearance, Ever Smoking Bottle, Eyes of Charming, Goggles of Night, Hat of Disguise, Helm of Telepathy, Medallion of Thoughts, Oil of Etherealness, Potion of Mind Reading, Ring of Invisibility, Ring of Mind Shielding. From Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there's the Dagger of Blindsight. From Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, I wrote Reflavored the Lash of Shadows, and there's also the Nightfall Pearl. From Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, there's the Shadowfell Brand Tattoo and the Shadowfell Shard. From Tales from the Yawning Portal, there's the Potion of Mind Control. Finally, from Xanthar's Guide to Everything, there's the Cloak of Many Fashions and the Perfume of Bewitching. Alright, thank you for listening to Religion in the Realms. If you're interested in keeping up the release of future episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play Podcasts. These episodes are also uploaded to YouTube as well. The podcast YouTube channel can be found under the title Religion in the Realms. If you wish to get in touch with me or keep up with the releases of episodes on Twitter, the podcast itself has a Twitter account at Realms Religion. Or there is my personal Twitter account at Shiv's Embrace. Or you can send an email to me at realmsreligion at gmail.com, all in lowercase. Next episode will be on Mask. Now I don't know where I got this piece of information from, but I swear in my notes somewhere that I put down Mask is the son of Shar. Hence why I wanted to put Mask after Shar. Going through my notes now in both preparation for the Shar and Mask episodes, did not see any mention of that at the moment. I may have just conjured the idea up from nowhere for all I know. Perhaps when I cover Mask, I might come across this fact that eludes me. Anyways, all that pointless meandering to say Mask is being covered next, whether or not he has any familial connection to Shar. The two are definitely tied to one another over their given histories. Until next time, may Tori Moore look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helen protect you, 
and will thunder light your path. Music for this episode, Shadowlands 2, The Bridge, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.